Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Blockchain Asia Show. I'm Michelle Wonderland. I'm here with Gustavo Liu. Hi. And this afternoon today, actually. Normally yeah. we do a evening recording. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's still sunny you know, like, The lighting is a bit... Hang on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and we have with our guest, we have Vladimir Tomko, who's here, who is part of the uh, Block Show yeah. uh, this week. And first time in Asia, first time in Singapore. Yeah, exactly. Hello, I everyone. hunt him down, actually, yeah. because <laughs> I was passing by some of the, the booths. And his booth was the most colorful and biggest on the actual exhibition hall. He totally did. He sent us a photo on our WhatsApp group and, yeah. you know, like, so we could all see it. Yeah, it, it was like uh, very different from all the other booths because we were like fun, a lot of like They characters. were boring. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a TV set showing like some cartoons. So yeah. we've attracted a lot of traffic. And uh, he actually got me like uh, in the first 30 minutes, like of wow. the block show. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, bam, I went, uh, gotcha. I went really early and then I was just, like looking at it, right? And I saw, like, isn't this kind of like Crypto Kitties, but not like Crypto Kitties? And I went up to him, was like, I, w I was talking to one of his uh, colleagues, was it? And they were like, no, we are cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I gotta find out more what it is about. And so, the great thing about it is that so far, this is what, our 10th episode or something? And we haven't had anybody from the gaming industry. Well, this is what really excites me because, you know, we have a lot of, we're so lucky in Singapore, we have a lot of guests who come on and talk about their coins and their coin offerings and tokenology. The trust and the identification. Yeah, but that is not my, you know, like my excitement about blockchain. My excitement about blockchain is the technology and the practical applications that I come from a media background and a content background. And so gamification and gaming uh, is one thing that's really exciting for me. So I'm really excited to hear more about, you know, yeah. what you're in town for, how you're doing, what what's going on. You have, you've been a gamer. Yeah, I've a been a gamer developer. since childhood and like I've been developing games and like uh, doing stuff related to games for the last 14 years. So, yeah, I'm big into the gaming space. Has it always been always been in Latvia or is it around the sort of uh, It European was in Latvia, Eastern? it was in Russia and like right now we are uh, based in Latvia, the majority of the team and we have a small team in uh, St. Petersburg in Russia as well. Mm. And we're trying to get global, like really. Yeah. Maybe hopefully someday we'll open up an, an office here in Singapore. It's a good place to start a business. Yeah, and definitely. And in Asia, it's a great hub. I think the, the, the sort of the, the Russia, Latvia, the sort of Eastern Europe uh, region, blockchain has really taken off. Mm. Um, no, I mean, just crypto space, right? A lot of the whales kind of come from that region and yeah. developers every time i get a request for like blockchain development a lot of them come from the eastern europe side yeah i agree i believe they just like uh noticed the space growing bigger earlier than ours and decided to jump in like globally everybody and because like uh like uh, ex-soviet countries and russia has a lot of like strong technical universities mm -hmm. a lot of programmers yep. then it is like very native that people are like keen on such things and it is easier for them to like try something new can you tell us a little bit about lavia and how the <coughs> blockchain space is like, how did it evolve i mean oh, well in latvia blockchain space isn't like very big because latvia itself is a small country um 
there are like i believe five seven companies that do uh blockchain related stuff but uh latvia was like uh pretty prominent uh, in terms of um, browser gaming back in the days and uh, basically when crypto kitties um re were released like a month uh, a year ago uh it was essentially a browser game so like a lot of people had some expertise in this and plus they were doing like blockchain so they've jumped into the space so this is how it happened if it would be like something completely different like say a game on unity then there are like only two companies in latvia that do so mm -hmm. so it wouldn't be happening but like it did and i'm here <laughs> i can see why though because back then when i was working finance and a lot of the corporate structures right the eastern europe side there weren't that many sort of slightly more sort of uh, friendly for um international sort of tax structures and i think Latvia was one of those countries where it took a lot of middle eastern customers a lot of um eastern european customers it's sort of been is it my perception of Latvia back then in the finance um was seen them more as a neutral um Territory. Yeah, yeah, it was. It basically was called as a, like Switzerland of Baltics. It mm. attracted a lot of capital. There were mm. like banks, banks that worked e exclusively with non-residents, and uh, a lot of like fintech startups also developed around that. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, as I recall, the tax structure was also like very positive for that. But like next year from 2019, we're changing that a little bit. There will be like more harsher situations, mm. but like. It is still like has a lot of fintech companies. I see a lot of pattern have form forming, um, especially countries that's been very friendly with tax structures mm. have sort of become the ecosystem players for blockchain, sort of like the the brewing hub. And Latvia, I guess, is sort of just coming towards that way. Estonia is another region, yeah, right? Yeah, and we are like uh, trying to follow Estonia in terms of like tax structures because they're very innovative and like they have government pro uh, programs that help to like develop different uh, um, fintech stuff and so on. And their tax structure is very attractive, like for our government. So basically, we're trying to go to their structure, and it is like if you're. If you're earning a lot, you're like paying more. In Latvia, it was like a fixed tax yeah. before that. So, um, and we had like um, this type of uh, company called like micro company, and it has like a lower tax, but you weren't able to like hire a lot of people there. But uh, it was used basically uh, to optimize taxes. So yeah. bigger companies created uh, a lot of those micro companies and now they're like shutting it down. And oh. Latvia is becoming like a lot more expensive. Hmm. So all the way from Latvia to Singapore and this is your first trip to Singapore. Yeah. Uh, not only to Singapore, but like to the Far East, uh, like to Asia at all. I've never been to China, to Japan, to Korea. And I really like Singapore. It is very beautiful, very clean, a lot of green trees. Uh, the, the weather is nice. People are nice. Everybody speaks English, uh, speak English. That was like, I didn't uh, like know this could be happening here in Asia because I heard a lot of stories like about China that nobody understands English and everybody here speaks English. Yeah. 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 I mean, Michelle, you must see a lot of that as well, like working yeah. in the in the in the entertainment industry and yeah. people coming to Asia. Well, that was, uh, so my, my backstory is that I came to Asia about 12 years ago and first went to Hong Kong. And uh, when we uh, when we moved to Singapore, not too long after that, I remember the first work trips that I took to Singapore. And it was like, wow, you know, it's it's like 
it's like America. I grew up in California, and there are parts of California that that Singapore reminds me a lot of. And I was like, wow, it's just like, you mean the weather. The weather, yeah, yeah. Because California has perfect weather. <laughs> I, I would add that it more reminds me like of England, of London, because of your street namings. Oh, Everything right. is English: oh, Queen yeah. Street, Victoria Street, Smith uh, Street. Yeah, the yeah. British colonies, and yeah, we, yeah. We used to be. We are. We are part of the Commonwealth after all. Well, mm. you know, I think it's really also really cool that now uh, you know Singapore attracts these large events especially for technology and innovation and these uh, this past week there were a few really big events which you're here you're here for one of them and you know that's the one thing that it's like you know now we get this chance to show off our city yeah. you know uh, being really good in like verdant environment for developers mm. for people in the space coming from all parts of the world you know former uh, you know in Actually, in Eastern Europe, you know, there are so many talented developers, so many people working in the space that we're really lucky that even this past week that we've had a couple of, uh, you know, good guests that we nor normally wouldn't get to Singapore. And it was one of their first times. Yeah. yeah. Your a lot first of them time, came here yeah. for the first time. Yeah. So blockchain and um, gaming, you brought as an article. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Let's do. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so you showed us an article on TechCrunch saying that um, there's a gaming gets a boost with mythical games for 16 million Series A. Yeah. So what do you want to give us a bit of background on this? Yeah, sure. Like uh, actually uh, today is like a year and two days uh, when the crypto gaming market basically was born. It was created by Axiomazan, a Canadian company uh, that brought us CryptoKitties. And uh, they were the first like top grossing product. They've earned like I believe around two million dollars. Uh, by that time till February mm -hmm. and a lot of companies that were weren't into gaming but were into blockchain especially after the ICO space decided wow this is the new space we need to jump in to try to create something and they've created like hundreds of products but they didn't have experience in gaming majority of them failed so uh, why do you think they failed um, well, there are many factors, actually. First of all, they've all copied CryptoKitties because CryptoKitties smart contracts were in open access. You could mm. basically grab those, like uh, rewrite a little bit, uh, put on different graphics. Like there were like crypto tulips, crypto alpacas, dogs, like... Uh, <laughs> crypto zombies. Uh, crypto zombies is okay because like uh, it's a separate brand, but there were like even crypto hookers, crypto manga, crypto <laughs> oh, everything. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even crypto TDs, but it was like uh, uh, a joke, basically. Oh. <laughs> so you could bring breed those and you receive new of a different kind of different color. Uh, the thing oh. is that like they didn't get traction. They didn't uh, get any users. And um, basically people were still playing uh, crypto kitties and other games of a better quality but uh, after like the initial start of uh, crypto kitties the market was very bullish as you remember so uh, all the prices of bitcoin or ethereum were very expensive and everybody uh, that were playing those games they weren't like real players they basically were traders that were addressing those crypto games as a uh, small life spawn exchanges where they can dump pump and dump and then like leave the game with the money so they were monitoring the market jumping in and this is how it all started but eventually a uh, majority of the poor quality games they just died out 
and uh, better gaming uh, experiences started to appear. They were still very, very simple comparing to the like regular entertainment games like on PC on uh, yeah. and consoles, but these games allowed people to earn money. And this was like something completely new, something very interesting. And you actually had like a true ownership of the asset that you bought in these games. They really belong to you. Because like in regular games, like in World of Warcraft, when you sign yeah, the Yeah, I was going to say that. It's yeah, like, you, you rent uh, these assets. They don't belong to you. Developer can ban you, can take away everything if you like somewhere break the rules but like here everything so it's is... like a centralized control everything and the in crypto instance it's like more decentralized everybody could make their own decisions is that what uh in some yeah to some to some degree it is decentralized but the thing is that like you own stuff you can do whatever you own like if you own a notebook you can gift it to somebody you can sell it same here uh developer can't enforce you to do basically anything with your stuff because uh, it's yours. It's on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the same. And basically, uh, this is like a completely new paradigm in gaming because there is no such thing as shadow market, as black market in crypto games. Every market, uh, like even smallest it's one, transparent, yeah. right. it is not just transparent, it's part of your market. And when you create the game, you need to think about that, that you don't control the market. It's an open market relationships between developers and players. And that's why like people continue to play those primitive games with mm. very, very like um, lightweight graphics without animations, basically uh, like uh, user interfaces with uh, different pictures yeah. at, the, at the very beginning. So and like at the beginning, a lot of the giants of the uh, gaming space, like they didn't even look here. So it was a small like sandbox for players who mm. did blockchain, who tried to like earn money. Uh, even some like minor Ponzi schemes try to appear at the beginning of the year, but like uh, now everything is becoming different. So CryptoKitties was the company that created the market, and during this year they've attracted twenty-seven million dollars already. Mm. Uh, the first round was, I believe, somewhere in May or like in April, and uh, the last one was on the first of November, like this month. And in CryptoKitties, the latest like investors is A16Z as um, oh wow yeah it's Samsung Next it, right? exactly it, yeah. yeah so uh, now they are like looking into this space and it makes it like very lucrative to start like business here right now especially yeah. if you have experience in gaming and in blockchain mm -hmm. and. Um, Still, CryptoKitties are like the pioneers. They never did games before. They're just like the first success story. And it's okay when investors invest into people who create the market. But like two weeks ago, these mythical games were brought up and they are uh, the company consists of uh, ex-developers of Blizzard Entertainment, of Niantic, it's uh, like Pokemon Go, yeah. of uh, Codemasters and like Activision. Uh, employees. Would you say they all kind of came together and, and formed this? Or was it... Yeah, yeah, but the thing is that like they are from the original gaming. They are like the mm -hmm. behemoths, the giants of the gaming industry. They yeah. created a lot of super high quality products and now yeah. they're doing this a little bit differently than like normal crypto games at the moment, but they are like jumping into the space. And this is huge because uh, basically it means that this space is getting, is becoming acknowledged by bigger players. Mm -hmm. It will mean like bigger investment 
investments, not from the uh, crypto space at all. Institutional yeah. money is going to start yeah. coming. Yeah. You're talking about the entertaining money, right? The movie-making money. I mean, I'm seeing names like Marvel yeah. here. Yeah. We talk Call of Duty, right? Skylanders. These are names that essentially would... It's just a line between gaming and actual movies, entertainment. If you look at how movies have evolved over the years, it went from comical, uh, like the, the mangas and all the sort of reading prints, all the way to making Spider-Man, mm. um, Thor, um, Avengers. And this is sort of like merging into blockchain. How yeah, and the game? thing is that yeah. like gaming, uh, basically industry, is already earning like yearly more money than cinema industry exactly. globally. Uh, this world. year, it is predicted that the global revenue will be around $137 billion mm-hmm. from the games alone. And they've surpassed uh, the movie industry, if I recall correctly, in late 2015, maybe at the beginning of 2016. Uh, but the thing is, yeah, um, they, uh, they are acknowledging the space and uh, it's good that you brought up the movie. Uh, have you all watched the latest, I believe, Steven Spielberg's movie, Ready Player One? Yeah. Uh, the thing is, like, it, it's based on a book, uh, but in, in a movie, it showed that in a near future, there is like a super big game, virtual reality game, that everybody plays on, on the continent. And people who earn money in that game, virtual currency, can become like really, really rich in the real world because everybody plays it, it has demand, and you can sell assets. Mm. And this is what eventually blockchain plus VR technology is like heading towards to. Exactly. At some point, uh, there will be like workspaces for everybody who loves playing games. Mm-hmm. And not just like uh, you go to work, you hard work. No, you just like receive fun, you earn some like in-game currency and because the demand is high, you're able to sell it. And um, this is completely new. Like we never seen something like that before. Before There were like black markets in different games like EverQuest, like World of Warcraft, especially here in Asia, in China. A lot of people like hired 60 different like employees that were farming gold every day and yeah. they, they tried to sell it on black market. But Blizzard prohibits that they've banned such people and like uh, those like entrepreneurs lost revenue because mm-hmm. it was like black market stuff and here it is not so yeah. it's uh, basically a new market uh, in a market and, uh, and that's it's interesting wonderful. thing because you've got that open market that you talked about right and uh, oftentimes when you, uh, the argument is that when the market is is not open when there are certain privileges. That is where you allow the black, mar- black market to sort of start to sort of spur out of that. Um, and here's where blockchain yeah. seamlessly, you know, makes things transparent. You know, makes but it, you like know. The, the transparency in blockchain actually, uh, it is there, but you you can avoid that because even like uh, Bitcoin, for example, the alma mater of all like uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, at the moment, it um, even if you have like one address where you receive funds, uh, you can like make um, unlimited amounts of different addresses based on the like hash code of your address, and you won't be able to trace that like this money are coming exactly to you. So okay, yeah. there is a lot of privacy in blockchain, and. It is okay, it is good, but 
it is definitely like more transparent than normal systems. For example, like uh, the games appeared, like uh, the crypto games, and within two months, resources like State of the Depths, like Depredator appeared, and they were actually doing like big statistical analysis based on the transactions of smart contracts because this information was open. Mm -hmm. And you as a like developer that wants to develop the game have an insight into market like on uh, like hourly basis you can check the game and see how well does it go like how many money do they have uh, how many users then you can trace this like via charts and understand hey probably they did a marketing campaign here let's google it and you see that yeah so you can piece all this thing together and this is very important because other markets they didn't start like that for example in native mobile applications like there there are tools like app any but you mm -hmm. have to like pay a subscription yes. and the data there is sometimes like approximized <laughs> Yeah. Here, everything is like clear from the very beginning, but it still has issues. There is like some measurement of deceive there. You could like try to. Uh, and how many people really do go and check, right? A lot, actually, uh, especially Perfect. players, because uh, you see right now the audience that play blockchain games are not regular players. Those are basically traders. Yeah. And like our game, it sports very cute animals that are like better suited for women. And we only have 2% of women playing the game. The majority of them are like male, 35 plus. Yeah. And um, they play the game because like it is fun for them and they can make money. So it doesn't like mean that uh, um, you need to create super interesting game at this point. If you make like a game which has a demand and people can earn money by like trading, then they will play it. So, so what do you think is the draw factor? Is it the interesting you know that the game the, the how interesting it is or is it the fact that you can make more money and how how much money you can make out of it like what, uh, or is it a combination of two like what what would be the winning because you named quite a number like crypto you know uh titties crypto hooker yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> why did they not survive and and what what do you think would, would okay so the there are two questions and i'll answer all of them mm. first of all is like uh um Let's start with the last one. The thing is that uh, they didn't survive because they thought that the hype is like so big that they don't have to do PR and marketing. So like people would go there. They didn't do like, they didn't make their market attractive. So those resources like DepRider, they show the stats, like how many transactions, how many revenue do you make? And actually players watch them, not developers, but they try to track which game is better to make money. And those games were in those dap riders, like at the bottom positions. So people already saw that uh, they don't they don't allow making money. Nobody is playing them. Then why bother? And they didn't get audience because they didn't like do user acquisition, didn't buy traffic, and so on. So they've just like spent a lot of time, not a lot of like two months, but like creating a game that's nobody interested in. Yeah. And, uh, they, and they raise funds as well on the back of that to create those games? Mm, I don't know about them. Mm, I think they didn't uh, because um, when CryptoKitties were released, you had to act very, very, very rapidly. Yeah. Like uh, you, you should start uh, developing your game like a week after it was cr created. And if you want to raise funds, you need to go to people, to funds, to uh, present them business ideas and yeah. so on. You, you didn't have time for that. So majority of them didn't have like investments. Um, some of them did, like we did, for example. Um, so but was it more like open source or, or was it like... It was uh, because the smart contracts were like in an open access. They weren't up 
it so you could say it was open source but they just kind of took it and yeah they've copied it and even if you like looked at their smart contracts you can even see the CryptoKitties commands left there basically oh they just different (laughs) graphics yeah basically yeah Yeah. and uh, not so many like new mechanics but it was like in january in february in march now the space is completely different Um, such games don't appear anymore the ones that are created by developers right now are more complex still pretty primitive but like there are a lot of um like fighting mechanics some collective gameplay mechanics uh, items and so on so your assets are becoming more and more personal in crypto is basically uh the only personal thing you could do is like rename your kitty mm-hmm. okay right now you can like well in our game uh you can even like send us the photos and we will create a cutie like uh, I thought you by can, the image. You can your... breed them. Yeah, you can yeah. breed them like um, in, in all of the games right now. You can do something similar like breeding or creating something out of something. Uh, but like um, we try to be as personal to people as possible. So if they want, they can basically make a family of their own family members. Like... So it's, it almost sounds like you're saying that the, the winning formula will be this customized customizable gamification aspect to it and rather than so the players aren't really looking um for making more money uh this is the first part of the question that i want to answer yeah. uh the thing is that like uh when it all started players only wanted to make money and there weren't any like educational experience in the gaming space that allowed them to understand that making money is one part this is very good but making social ties like connection to the community and receiving fun having fun is another Uh, we were one of the first games that brought that to the market we've created more in-depth experiences and uh, uh, people dig into that so they like that they have friends they have enemies they have things to do they basically build some kind of real estate in terms of community yeah yeah and uh, uh, this is very important actually and right now what we see is that those pure traders are starting to become players and this is like inertial process it takes time and uh, there should be more and more like real gaming experience into this like crypto gaming space uh, that will like convert all the audience into like real players we still have the majority of audience uh, that are just purely traders and they care about making money but like um 12 months back there were only like these people and right now they're like 70 percent of these people yeah it is and uh like uh what we do to make it happen is basically we don't create the game ourselves we propagate the community driven development and we ask our players what they want to see in game like how do you want this function to like be realized and they vote they tell us they they want it this way and this way and if idea is like healthy we bring it uh, into the game uh, we make a lot of references to the players and they like it very much because they're not just like playing game making money they're creating it with us and uh, i think this is that like uh, uh because like all the crypto space is built around communities the mm-hmm. blockchain is about communities and you need to like save this core idea and bring it to the gaming as well and it works for us we don't have like a very big community around 900 people in telegram but they are very passionate they are like engaged and they like what they are doing together with us mm. 
Well, that's one thing that I'm looking at. I was looking at your leaderboard and, you know, it's really interesting because some of the, you know, in some of the areas in which you have the same people on the top three slots on the leaderboard. So you can see that people are really passionate about it. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about how, you know, because they're so cute, you know, and I can imagine like the more you get into it, the more different types of variations that you can make on, you know, your your cutie for blockchain cuties. And um, just looking at this and, you know, your you said that, they're uh, like kind of they would appeal to a female audience like yeah. over 35, which I find that is really interesting coming, you know, working back in gaming that, you know, it's there's certain games that are developed, you know, for children or for, you know, yeah. teenage boys. Or then you have the over 35, the established, the ones who are playing like, yeah, yeah. your game. So the, what is that? Like, why would the over 35? Um, actually, um, uh. The thing is that, like, if we speak about the regular gaming, for example, the native mobile applications like Candy Crush Saga, mm -hmm. then those types of uh, much free games are actually eight, uh, aimed at women like 35, 45, because they are, like, easy to play. Women are, like, very multifunctional. They can, like, watch TV, do the ironing, and play oh, the yeah, game simultaneously. They, yeah. Their neurons, like, when they did the Casca, men is just, like, so one dimension, and women, like, they trigger yeah. all over. So this type uh, types of game appeal to women. Plus, if there is like a story, so a, a character they can relate to, it is also like more appealing to women. But uh, we created our game basically uh, to be appealing for everyone. And when we were doing that, uh, we weren't like doing for the exact same moment we've created for the future when the adoption will be bigger. Mm. And uh, we was it was it intentional or accidental that you found out that your target market was actually women over 35? Uh, no, our target market right now isn't women over 35. It's men, mostly male, 25, mm. 40. And the course audience is uh, 27, 33. But like uh, this type of art usually appears more more to women because like I'm uh, I, I also worked at uh, Adniklasnik it's Russia's largest entertainment social network mm -hmm. and we have a gaming platform there 35 million users and I've learned a lot of the statistics of the game which audience plays it how they do uh, what are the behavioral patterns and so on and then I understand that like what we create is very like appealing to Asian people and like to women especially and uh, We've created this art style to be, in the first place, appealing to people from, uh, like, uh, Korea, China, Japan. We've mm, asked, yeah. like, uh, did uh, um, reviews and asked them, do you find this cute or not cute? And they've, they've said that, yeah, yeah, it's okay, we like it, uh, like, here, and uh, please make the game like that. But we didn't know from the very beginning, because, like, we started in January, we didn't have a game, we had only assumptions, and you can, like, uh, the market was totally new. You you can have the real knowledge when you get the data. And we got the data only in like May. So Michelle, what do, what do you think? I mean, like women over 35, like the population here in Asia looking at a game um, of, and you know, we're obviously we're looking also at, at similar type of character design from the aesthetic perspective mm -hmm. where you've got like Pokemon, you've got all the ones that are like designed in this sort of gamified factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the different types of games that are like traditional games where you've got, you know, your MMOs, where you've got, you know, your very male type of games, you know, first person shooter, you know, type of games. And you look at, you know, 
like your blockchain cuties and I haven't had the chance to go through and play it, but it seems like, you know, because you are in that trading element. And so there's more of a social and community element, which would then lend itself to, you know, the, the female population. But the fact that, you know, you said there was only 2% of your yeah. players are women, you know, that means it's really catching on with men. And is it because it's that like almost like currency trading value. Exactly. Mm. Uh, it is like grown up not from the gaming industry, but, but from the financial industry, which mm. is mainly dominated by males. Plus the blockchain space isn't like really fun. It is pretty difficult even to explain to someone what blockchain is and how it works. And uh, like um, women don't like that at the moment. Like males do, they try to like uh, learn new stuff. So uh, because the whole blockchain space right now is mostly like males, um, and we derive from that, then the woman audience is not very big. But we try to attract to attract everyone, and the ones that play our game, they're like uh, super loyal. Uh, we even had like this was a phenomenon that we didn't like knew would be coming. So uh, a lot of the uh, women started to draw fan art in our game like basically yeah. we had well men and women because i'm seeing at uh, your characters and they are really cute yeah. but then the theme behind it i would wouldn't be something that i would associate it to being something very feminine yeah but, you've but got, like, like werewolf right the, right now you're watching at uh, the unique characters that people are selling and they're buying featuring slots so everybody could see them majority of the characters are just cute but they're like super unique ones, like those aliens. Uh, they yeah. are like very masculine, but um, majority are. But just what I mean cute. is that they were, they are drawn in such a way that it, they are. It's, mm. it's just very, very cute, and I can see why a larger sort of assumption that would be women that would come in over for sort of be attractive for the aesthetic part of it. But I'm looking at the characters themselves, which are quite more on the masculine. Yeah, side. yeah, but like those are free characters, and we have like thousands mm. of them. People just like paid for them to be there, like on the upper. So people slope. are actually designing this and like uh, paying you guys so that they will be able to be featured on your platform. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have this option when you like try to sell a cutie. Uh, there are two sections. One is the featuring section where you have the bigger icons, and then like uh, the one that is sorted by date, uh, yeah. by time. So if you want to like receive more visibility for your cat uh, or for your doggy, you just pay a little bit. It is very very cheap, but some people like to put them there some people don't because we have very um, complex filtering system people who usually do the trading they just manually filter everything so i, I really mm. like this space because i brought um two speakers a while back and they, we were talking about the whole space of fungible and non-fungible tokens right and you are clearly in this space where exactly. the the game on the gamification factor because everybody's so used to sort of trading crypto in the sense of Ethereum, right? But then now we're talking about the non-fungible ones that are in, that is essentially this entire sort of space. Um, what could you tell us a little bit about the differences and what are the, from the what are the challenges in terms of putting something that is fungible and non-fungible? Uh, yeah, sure. Because we have both fungible and non-fungible tokens in our game. Well, non-fungible is like in simple words to explain it. If you have like free hundred dollars, uh, like nominals, and uh, basically when they are fungible, uh, each nominal equals another one. 
And if they're unfungible, then just imagine that one has a beard attached to it, other have like glasses attached to it, and like they have one nominal, but they're different, completely unique. So this is like how to and explain. And you can it. slice it. You yeah, you can to, slice it. Yeah, yeah, you have to get it entirely on its own. Yeah. So uh, the real difference is that like uh, non-fungible tokens are suited for totally unique things, mm -hmm. like people, like IDs, like your like medical data, like your teeth, and you don't pay with them, basically. They are the sole heroes of the place. Each is unique, and fungible is basically currency. You can, like, collect hundreds of them, and another hundred will be the same. So uh, the difficulties. Um, there are not so many difficulties at the moment, uh, because ju it just uh, what the gaming companies used to do, like with your characters, so like in games like World of Warcraft, Diablo, they were just like weren't calling them the non fungible tokens, but they were unique and attached to your like account. Like your email, basically, the unique email is a sort of unfungible token as well. Yeah, and course. everything yeah. was attached to it. Like right now, because there is like a rights of ownership, uh, we need this token, which proves the ownership, basically. And you just like create game around that. And I believe that non-fungible tokens uh, will evolve into something new. Yeah. Like it won't be called tokens in the near future and will be used basically. Like assets. like Yeah, yeah. Like for example, ownership. you will, we might have some chips of non-fungible tokens that would know our medical data, our degree, our salaries. When we enter some kind of a smart house, uh, it will know that it is us. He can check our music preferences, turn it on. We will be moving into that space in the future, I yeah. believe. But the games are easiest to understand and to ha and have the, the use case. The first one to be applied yeah. into this. Exactly. The, the pioneering place. Interesting. So I wanted to ask, I was looking at, um, so you've just moved from the Ethereum platform. Uh, you moved from Ethereum. We didn't move. Oh. We've, uh, okay. We have an Ethereum platform. Okay. We have an EOS platform. Got the it. Yeah, game. okay. I've seen that. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about about that because I'm I'm looking at it you know just right now and, and okay uh, so the market was created on Ethereum platform the mm -hmm. non fungible thing was only available and with the smart contracts as well only on Ethereum and uh, other blockchains decided hey it's a great thing we need to make something similar and actually several blockchains did that already but EOS and Tron were among the first Neo is doing that right mm -hmm. now yeah. and. Um, the thing is that EOS itself had a completely different philosophy uh, than Ethereum, and it was more suitable for the games. For example, in Ethereum, one of the like stopping factors is that you need to confirm every transaction. Yeah. And if you want to have like a seamless gameplay where nothing disrupts you, like no windows pop-ups, like do yeah. you want to confirm <laughs> that? You need to delegate like the right uh, to take away money to the smart contract. And uh, EOS has that. Yeah. For example, when you start playing, you can say, hey, I allow you to take my money and you to take my money. And then the gameplay is seamless. You just play the game and it's on blockchain. We like that a lot. And plus we saw that um, uh, EOS Nights is a Korean game, uh, was getting very popular. There was a lot of audience. And right now the biggest problem in the crypto gaming space is user acquisition. There is only 76,000 people in the whole world right now who have 
not not idea. people, but like unique wallet addresses who have non-fungible tokens uh, from games. This is like very very small market if you if we compare it to like hundreds of millions in normal gaming. Right. Like yeah. Ver very small, and uh, but those are paying users and they don't have the limits of how much they can pay. For example, like in uh, Apple App Store, they usually allow you to have the highest transaction of $99. Here, if you can sell something for $14,000, there's a man in the field who would be able to buy it. You just need to properly sell it to him. And that's why it is like very, very lucrative and uh, people are trying to get here to like make business in this space. Uh, but it is very small. And... Um, there are two like tasks before the crypto games. Uh, first, they need to like make their audience bigger, but they also need to help the whole blockchain space uh, get bigger to right, attract right. additional users because like it's a funnel. And the first step is to make people come into blockchain world, into cryptocurrencies, own cryptocurrencies, and then like start playing the game. Uh, the games are like uh, like a gateway, and we want to be like a gateway to different blockchains. Uh, we want to like not only be connected with the crypto world, but be known like as a producer of toys, like as a, a people who as do like platform, cartoons. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, when we have that, when we have like acknowledgement in the real world, in the tech world, we can go to different blockchains and uh, explain them our strategy and build something together. So they bring us the traffic. We create this space where it is interesting to spend time uh, to play, to like receive emotions. Because in the end, uh, why games are so so popular is because like they bring emotions, very strong emotions. And our brain uh, doesn't care whether it's happening in real life mm -hmm. or it's just an experience, a VR experience. Yeah. Uh, it's all the same to him. And if the emotions are strong, they tie you to the game. They... Uh, make you play it like for years and yeah. this is what we want to do the engagement is essentially what you want to capture and and that stickiness right is that it's, yeah people don't buy products i mean they wouldn't no, not just poker. engagement engagement uh, fades over time yeah. uh you basically need to have part of your life be in there some kind of real estate that you've built like social relationships with friends mm. money and time you spent into the game things that are happening inside this world that you care about even if you forget about it and then somebody suddenly reminds you that hey like this clan attacked this clan and we've lost and you have this emotional feeling which allows you to go back into the game and do what you did before so, so essentially it's like back to that community um sort of building and the importance of having this is very important as well but if we speak on a personal level it's basically a part of your life why in china like uh in 2011 2012 uh like games especially browser games were so popular uh because um one of the point is that in Chinese games, they had uh, leaderboards for everything. Mm. You could have like a first place uh, among people who ties the like, I don't know, something very fast or yeah. like uh, you're the best fisherman, not the best king or the best like uh, monster killer. Would you say that um, competitive nature? Yes, it, yes, it, competitive. Would it, would it differ in terms of culture? Because if you were to go to like the Scandinavian country, for example, or any other sort of countries where it's sort of less of a perceived as a competition. It is very different, very different in yeah. different countries. Like, uh, there is a good example of that. For example, in European countries, in American countries, fairness of play was like the dominant feature. If something was very unfair, people called it's like pay to pay to win. They didn't like that. 
and Chinese super hardcore games like the strategy ones, type of Ebony uh, online in 2006, they weren't popular in the States. But then uh, maybe you've heard of Machine Zone and Fire Age, the game. What they did is that they've took the Chinese game, essentially, made it a little bit softcore and introduced it to American market and did a massive, massive marketing campaign. And they've taught Americans how to be more competitive in mm -hmm. this place. And only that, when they were already taught, another developer brought a 100% Chinese super hardcore game, which is a lot more hardcore than Fire Age. And, and it jump on that. Yeah, and they've jumped on it because they already know how to do that. And uh, it has the lifetime value of a user a lot higher than the ones in Games of War. I don't don't remember the correct name, Clash of Titans or something like that. Clash of Clans. No, Clash of Clans oh, is, no. a, is a Finnish game yeah. uh, from Supercell. Yeah. It, it is uh, mid-core. But... Well, but Tencent now on Supercell, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Actually, I would have thought Americans were super competitive because they were like, you know... The... But they have the fairness. The fairness, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. That's the thing and, because, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, are, you, would, you would know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, Chinese games, there's been a, some bit of a, culturally, there's been a suppression of certain things. So, you know, in gaming, it's, uh, you know, you get the chance to be that maverick. And you're like be... one in a, in, a, in a trillion, right? So that is why, like, you yeah, really exactly. have to work hard. And, and you, like, you understand that the world isn't fair, that there are, yeah. like, richer people, poorer people, and you just have to be better at something and if you're like best at something very small you're still the best here and people respect that and this is like something that like in america in 2012 people didn't understand they want to be like more democratic yeah and uh, the cultural differences is actually very very important uh, like germans are very competitive they like to play strategy games especially what about Latvians? Uh, Latvians are more like Russians in this place and they're similar to Chinese. They are okay if the game isn't fair, uh, they like the competition, uh, but they differ from like Spanish, they differ from Norwegians a lot in this term. I could go on for a whole day <laughs> understanding this. Like I'm not a gaming person, but I love the concept of gaming being applied on blockchain and how competition comes in. I'm a very competitive person by nature. So This is a really, I, I think this is really interesting because, you know, you're seeing this technology evolve and you're seeing, you know, you're putting the application of gaming because it has such like distinct features of, you know, where it hits your brain, how it releases dope, you know, how you release dopamine. dopamine. Yeah. And, you know, it's got, um, I mean, this is a perfect environment for blockchain technology and the fact that it's, you know, you're using it in this space. You're one of the, the I would say, first movers. Early, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what's going to be coming out of it because I can imagine from here on out, it's going to get even more competitive. There's going to be a lot more people entering the market. And, exactly. Yeah. And you're a first mover. Yeah. Uh, we're very, gl we're very, <clears throat> very glad that we've jumped into the train while it was like on the station. Now it's moving. There is a chance to jump in the like last wagon while it's still cheap to develop such games. But like later, the space will become super super overcrowded like right now why a lot of people of small uh, like smaller gaming studios tried out the blockchain space first of all because the market is super blue there are not so many players and if you like do the games for like uh apple and google platforms there are like millions of developers there are millions of games released like uh, every year 
and it is very very hard to get noticed. And you need mm. authorization after you clear all of that. And you Th that is okay because the market is mature. You know the business models, how it works. But there are so many things that you need to do, including business development, mm -hmm. and you need yeah. to have a lot of marketing budget yes. to to be able to like yeah. get the audience. A lot it's of people like don't have. It's not like back then, well, ten years ago, where you just like if you, as long as you know a little bit of coding on like how to develop an app, you could have built something that would have made money. But now, actually, yeah, like yeah, uh, like basically, right now in blockchain uh, gaming space is everything like it was like uh, seven years ago on the like the eight app, years right? ago, yeah. On, yeah, on the native mobile space. Uh, we don't have this restriction. We don't have a lot of infrastructural elements that help the user audience like to grow to attract new users. It's wild west here, and you need to like try out everything to see whether it works because a lot of the logical assumptions need to be tested. Some of them work, majority of them don't. You need to try it out, and this is what we are doing basically. Uh, because when like I've been to the gaming space for a long time, I've seen how uh, casual game market developed, how like in 2008 uh, the social gaming market appeared in China, like this Happy Farm, then yep. Facebook games, mm -hmm. then in 2010, 11 when the uh, native mobile applications appeared. Uh, and the thing is that each market is going on the same, same route in spiral. Mm -hmm. And if you know how the spiral go, you can anticipate the next move basically and try to be prepared for that. Some people who have experience, they know how this moves and they have like an upper hand. Some don't, but like they receive a lot of money so they can hire people who know and like cryptocities and uh, do the right move as well. So, yeah, and even because, like, uh, the space is very competitive, we still need to, like, give respect to CryptoKitties because yeah. they've created the market. We yeah. are, like, making money here because of them. If they didn't try it out this experiment, then we would be, like, still doing ICOs or something like that. I'm really, I'm really glad that, you know, we're talking about this topic because it was something that was brought up. And at that point in time, I think a few of us weren't really that clear about how it was because none of us were gamers um to be able to have somebody on, on on the show and really talk about who is actually building something in this space it's really insightful so um time wise we do have a very limited um, i have an, another like um thing to tell you just like if we're speaking about data-driven development like the analytical stuff mm. uh during the last 10 years like the gaming industry is super super high about conversion it's even like better than to telecommunication companies than banking companies because there are so many data the top game have like tens of millions of players and you can aggregate all of that and they are like uh, more prepared for the mass adaption because they know how to do it the scientific way yeah. mm -hmm. they don't like just try they know they have giant experience and that's why i believe that gaming if those specialists will be like attracted to this space will be a huge point of growth oh, yeah. for the whole blockchain right. space because they know how to do it they have scientific approaches and like millions millions and they'll be more targeted and, and yeah. maximize every single move um no it's been fantastic and i and i think we could go on and on and on, on this. um unfortunately that um we do have a time constraint and we would love to bring you back again onto the show when you're back on your next trip from Lavia to Singapore. Are you okay. going back to Lavia straight from here? Um, straight from here to St. Petersburg and then after three days back to Latvia. Ah. Fantastic. I love it here. Uh, thank you very much for inviting <laughs> me and I would be delighted to come next time and maybe we can talk about like 
some other aspects of uh, either blockchain or gaming because uh, what you do guys is very very important because uh, well um, you educate you uh, do it in a very nice manner uh, it's very simple to understand and uh, it is fun to basically watch and uh, get this kind of information and right now uh, blockchain is new still 50 million users all over the world is nothing it's yeah. like less than uh, some like small some social cities, networks yeah. in China. yes some, some <laughs> maybe villages in China even. do you think we'll have <laughs> listeners from Latvia or uh, from like we, St. Petersburg we or, will yeah. do that like you will share the Facebook link like we are very strong on medium it's uh, like a blogging platform we yeah. uh, write about gaming every day so we have a lot of like not a lot but like some traffic that are into crypto there so and we're usually in the first three positions in gaming sections so wow. you will be there uh high five Michelle. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and uh we will we will try to like uh, do our best to attract as many users it won't be like very a lot uh but uh we will try our best this is yeah. fantastic um we are actually looking for more guests to come on to the show um especially blockchain asia and i think we we always try to curate for different type of guests from different backgrounds different nationalities and different jurisdiction and i think you are somebody who we've brought that was completely different from before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really exciting thank you so much for coming into the our studio uh thank you for being here this afternoon this yeah. has been the blockchain asia show here uh on our afternoon uh filming recording uh my michelle wonderland you're with gustavo liu and vladimir tonko thank you very much thank you, vladimir. thank you you've been listening to asia tech podcast find out more at atp.show